Amen. Praising Jesus for the things he's brought us through. Amen. Wow. Feels like a full house to me after uh, being here on Wednesday and having like six other people here. So it's good to have everybody here. It was uh, interesting. I was talking to Brother Jeremy this morning, and uh, I was asking him, when the last time that we actually had service, all everybody together? And it was March 8th. So that's been over uh, two months ago that we were all together. So it's good to see everybody this morning with your bright, smiling faces. Um, We're going to sing. Does that sound good? Amen. All right. Let's sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. I'm going to try and sing songs that everybody knows because we don't have any songbooks out here. And as you can see, there are no words over here. So I'll try and do my best. And if you don't know them, you can always hum. And uh, I'll try and keep the words. All right. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. On the everlasting arms, what a blessed peace, what a peace is mine, meaning on the everlasting arms, amen. Well, I'm leaning, leaning, well, safe and secure from all alarm, to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. And I'm leaning, leaning, well safe and secure. From all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Now what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so dear, leaning on the everlasting arms, and I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all along, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. I want to sing a different verse again. I was just going to say, though, it's very interesting to me, even though we're out here and we've only got about half of us here, how much it's the same. The Stevens are sort of sitting in the same spot. The Harwells are in the same spot. Nobody wants to sit in the front of the church over here. 
It's great to have everybody here. It's funny, we're all still the same, even though we're outside, but it's good to have everybody here. All right, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Amen? Leaning on the everlasting arms. If this isn't a good time to sing that, I don't know when is a good time. Amen? What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so dear. Leaning on the everlasting arms. And I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure. Amen. I'm all along leaning, leaning, leaning on the air. One more time, leaning. Well, I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure. From all along, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Amen. We're going to open the service in a word of prayer. We've got uh, a few prayer requests here. Obviously, we want to remember all the folks that aren't here with us, but uh, we have a few Special prayer request. We just want to continue uh, to remember. I'm going to ask Brother Andy Irish if he can come and open up the service in a word of prayer. If Sister Becky, you want to just play something softly there. Uh, we want to continue to remember our sister Shirley, Sherry, Holly, in prayer uh, after injuring her knee and uh, going through uh, rehab that she's going to be going through. So we want to remember her in prayer. We want to continue to remember our sister Carol. Henley's brother in prayer uh, as he's recovering from uh, bladder cancer with the uh, surgery he just recently had. Our brother Brian, uh, as you may have seen from uh, Brian McCall from uh, Brother Barry's update, uh, just uh, lost his job, so we want to remember him in prayer. Um, We want to continue to remember our brother Ron Spencer in prayer that the Lord uh, continues to heal him. Obviously, we want to remember uh, Sister Molly's family in prayer with the passing of our uh, dear, sweet sister. So we want to uh, remember in prayer uh, and the funeral that they'll be having. If you have an unspoken prayer request, just make it known by an uplifted hand. Brother Andy. Lovely Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father. For this time together, gathering us, Lord. And Father, we approach you. We approach the one who took our place. And we lay our hands by faith. And we ask, oh God, you'd forgive us. Lord, if we've done anything wrong in thought or word or deed, Father, we ask for your forgiveness. And don't, Lord, don't, don't look at us, Father. But look to the one who died and bled. Because that's who we trust in. And Father, you've heard those requests. And Lord, in the human sense, some of them are more important, may seem more important than others. But to you, Lord, if it's a concern for your bride, Father, it's important. And so, Lord, we would ask that you would come and that the Son of Righteousness, 
would just arise with healing in his wings to those who need healing, whether it be physical, spiritual, or emotional. Father, we know that you are capable and more than able because all things are possible to those who believe. And Father, now as we change the order of the service, we ask, Lord, that you would draw near and you would take a hold of that vessel that you have chosen to use today to speak your word. And Lord, we ask that you would give us more revelation, Lord, of your word in our lives. And Father God, we give you this day. We give you this little group, this little gathering. We ask that you put your seal of approval on it. And may it all be done for the glory of God. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to shake hands, but you can uh, have your seats. You can turn and wave to those that are around you. (laughs) Amen. It is uh, fantastic to see everybody uh, this morning. We're going to sing that song, I'll Fly Away. Some glad morning when this life is o'er. Amen. Aren't you looking forward to that? I'll fly away. Amen. I don't have the words, so I'm going to be going off in memory. So hopefully we'll do this. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll We'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Oh, I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'll fly away. I'll not die. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Now when the shadows of this life have grown, I'll I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars that flown, I'll fly away. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Let's sing that last verse again. Now when the shadows of this life have grown, I'll, amen, fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. Hallelujah. 
you by and by. I'll fly away. Let's sing that song, 10,000 Reasons Bless the Lord. You all have to sing loud and help me because I don't know if I'll get all the words right. So help me out. What key is this? D? Sounds good to me. Bless the Lord. Is that right? No, no, that's not. No, that's not the one. I, I do want to sing the ten thousand reasons. Just help me with the. How's it start? Ten thousand reasons. Yeah, but start it off for me. Oh my soul, thank you. I was getting confused with the other one. Oh my soul, worship is holy name. Amen. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship His holy name. Well, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song. Lean 
name. We're going to sing that again, and I would ask that you would stand with me as we sing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like As he's getting ready to come, let's sing over in C. I cast all my cares upon you. Aren't you thankful with all this craziness that's going on? Amen. There's somewhere where we can go with our cares. Amen. There's so many people that I know and I work with and I associate with, and I'm sure you're in the same situation. They're scared. They're scared out of their minds. They don't know what to do. They have nowhere that they can go, but I am thankful there's somewhere we can go, amen, that we can cast our cares when things feel overwhelming or they feel scary. There's somewhere we can go, amen. Will I cast all my cares upon you? Will I lay all of my burdens? Singing out 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this opportunity we have to be able to gather in this place, to be able, Lord Jesus, to be able to see one another, to be able to sing together, and how nice, how beautiful it sounds. Lord, it sounds nice to us, and how much greater it must sound to you when your people get together, Lord, and they begin to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we just commit our ways now to you today. We commit this time together to you and ask that you would breathe upon this gathering. Lord, you would bless all who have assembled. We pray, Lord, for those who are listening today, those who are listening from afar. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just take this little time, Lord. I I pray that it might be enriching for us and challenging. Lord, we just want to open our hearts and our minds to you. Guide us in your will. Bring healing to those who need it. Amen. And amen. Let's sing one more little chorus. It sounds so good. It's kind of intimidating to have all these people here for preaching. My goodness. I've been preaching to a bookshelf for, for several months. This is kind of intimidating. Let's, let's uh, sing that little chorus, Have Your Way, one time. Have your way.
Just for uh, uh, ease of transition here, take your Bible if you don't mind. Let's look at a passage of Scripture. Thank you. That'll be just fine. We appreciate it. couple of places here first of all let's go to Isaiah chapter 58 we greet all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's certainly good to see all of you today uh, we don't have everybody but uh, we have enough to have church and so we're glad and excited to be here today uh, with you uh, some of the people who are streaming have uh, texted me already and uh, they were saying how nice it was to be able to see everybody and Again, we need to say to Brother Jeremy, we've said this every service, I think, but we need to say how we appreciate he pulls, how, how we appreciate how well and how smoothly he pulls this off. And, uh, you know, it just, he sends me a message and said, it's done. I tell him, this is what I think we could do Sunday. And then he texts me and says, it's done. And I, <laughs> I just appreciate that so very much and uh, his, his tireless work. And so this is a, this is a bit of a makeshift here, but... Uh, the folks who are streaming are just excited, and we're excited that you are here today. Isaiah 58 and verse 12. And they shall be of thee, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. That's a wonderful thing to be called, somebody who repairs somebody who restores. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> we made it especially hard for you to go to the restroom. Uh, so if you need to go, you got to go all the way around and go through there and uh, do your fingerprints and everything else and uh, get to the restroom. So if you need to go, obviously it's there, uh, but um, it's a long way. It's a long journey. We are glad to have all of you with us today, and uh, it's interesting to find out now who managed in the restriction time to find a barber and who didn't. <laughs> who paid to sneak one in the back door? Uh, one of the brothers, I won't mention who, but one of the brothers said that they paid their barber to come in the back door, and it worked, and uh, we can tell. But we are glad for, uh, for all of you. You all look good to me. And, uh, you know, I just want to say that, uh, you know, in a uh, situation like this, we, I, I was thinking about this earlier in the week, and, you know, why couldn't we have a, a setup here in, in our outside place? And uh, who knew that the best place to put our fellowship hall was right here because it gives us the privacy that we need uh, to be able to have a, a setting like this where we're not interfer- interfered with by the door or the driveway out here and the roadway. So, uh, it, it just seems like a, you know, an ideal uh, situation for us to be able to get together uh, right here. And we can record and we can stream and we can do everything. Uh, I know some churches resorted to going out to parks and fields and everything because they didn't have a facility like we have, and I'm thankful for that. Um, 
we are um, we're going to hold to our schedule. Uh, we, we, I've been trying to communicate with you and let you know things, so uh, we will hold to our schedule uh, until further notice. As you, as you know, if you're watching the news or following the news systems, uh, everything changes. As soon as you get an update out, it's out of date. Uh, we should call it an out of date, I guess, instead of an update. And um, it is uh, certainly... Um, a little bit frustrating to try to keep up with everything that's going on, but we're just trying to do our very best, and this is new ground for every pastor that I've ever talked to uh, in terms of reopening the right way and safely, and and so we we certainly want to be prudent in all of that. Right after service today, immediately after service, I have to leave, and we have to go to Sister Molly's funeral, and I'm going to be taking part in that funeral today, and uh, I, I didn't realize this until just before service, but uh, the viewing part of the service is open for anybody. So from 1.30 to 3, I think, or a quarter to 3, it's open for anybody who wants to go and visit with the family. But I didn't know that. Uh, it's about an hour and a half from here, so it's going to be a real stretch for you to get there. But uh, unless you're invited for the funeral, and they have a limitation of about 50 people, uh, unless you're invited, you're not able to stay for the funeral, so they've got to clear the house out uh, at quarter to three and then let the family come in and so forth. So it's a little bit complex uh, in doing uh, these kinds of things, but uh, Lord willing, my wife and I, Lucas, are going to be going up uh, right after the service today. And uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. This is new technology. But if my notes are over there and I'm here, it's going to be a short service. Let me, um, let me say again that I, I, I appreciate everybody that made this possible and our deacons and the work that they do and getting everybody situated. Uh, it's, it's just really great. We have some people who are traveling, some people who are not well, some people who are uh, staying home for various reasons. And so most of those people are tuned in today and we welcome all of them. Uh, I just wanted to say this about Sister Sherry Holly. She had fallen uh, Tuesday night and injured her knee. They had to get uh, EMS in there to get her to the hospital. They were afraid that she had fractured her knee. She did not, but uh, she went to the ER and they examined her. They were trying to shift her to a uh, rehab center so that she can have exercise on her knee because she can't stand up at this point. But they have still not found a place, so she's still in ER. Uh, since Tuesday night. They have her in her own room in ER, which is nice. And she texted me last night and said, hey, God is good. Meals are great, uh, sort of. And she said the nurses are, are, are uh, treating her very well. Uh, Sister Chanel's been keeping me in, uh, posted as well. And so she's just, uh, she's just bearing with it uh, through the time. But uh, she says, you know, hey, uh, could be a whole lot worse. And so that's where she is this morning. And I don't know whether she's able to listen this morning or not, but uh, that's, where, that's where she is. Um, I want to just do a little uh, comment before we start this morning. And I want to uh, carry on on the subject of in- interruptions, and we're, we're talking about Nehemiah. Give me a show of hands. How many of you heard the service on Wednesday night? If you did hear the service on Wednesday night, great. Okay. So... If you don't mind, take your Bible. I'm going to ask you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 19. Now, this is a preamble, okay, and I w- that I want to talk about. <clears throat> in, our, uh, in our sojourn since March 8th, as Brother Ben mentioned this morning, 
it's been challenging for us uh, since we haven't been able to meet. When they first put restrictions in place, it was stricter than what it is now. I had to get permission from two sheriffs in two states in order to come and visit Brother Larry at the hospice house where he spent his last week. They had to get special permission from the CDC in order to let me in uh, to visit Brother Larry. And I was only allowed to be in there at the most five minutes. That's all I could do. I had to completely gown up and uh, go through all the, all the checks. And they took my, you know, took my temperature and all my vital readings and everything else. And uh, the, the, things were pretty strict at the very beginning uh, when we started. But as we, uh, as we have come along, obviously things have, have opened up a little bit more and we're thankful for that. And uh, thankful that we have not had any cases of sickness here among us. It's been a tricky thing to deal with the politics of the situation. And when I say the politics of it, uh, one thing is for sure about this whole experience that we've had over the last two months. There are two things that are certain. Number one, everybody is a viral expert now. <laughs> and number two, everybody has strong opinions about it. That's, those are two things that are certain. There's not much else that's certain, but that's certain. And so in the singular position of being a pastor, you have to make decisions you got to make calls, and we've had to do things uh, very much without any kind of precedent. Nobody's done this before. Uh, nobody's had a situation really like this in the, in the past. So it's been very, a very sensitive thing to try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, to try to maintain our testimony among our neighbors and the community here, as well as satisfying the needs and, and ministering to everybody who's uh, part of our assembly. And then the, the literally hundreds and thousands of people who've been following our services and our website since we have uh, you know, been streaming so regularly. And we hear from lots of people. I was talking to brothers today in England, in Ireland, uh, places in Africa today while I was coming down in the, on the highway. And uh, they were telling me about the, you know, the different things they're going through. And there's extremes all over the world. Uh, there are places where the government is in complete denial. Uh, they don't tell anybody what to do. They don't tell anybody what's safe, what's not safe. Uh, there's no medical care or, or support that's given to the people at all. And the people are, they're kind of like hanging. They don't know what to do. And then there are other places like in England and places in Europe where they're, where they're completely and securely locked down and probably will not be able to see their people for another two months uh, in terms of getting together. And they're looking for opportunities possibly to do drive-in churches, which no one is doing uh, in Europe at the moment. So it's been, a, uh, it's been a trying thing. But I wanted to pass along three different little statements here. Uh, that I find uh, that I found were pertinent, and I was thinking about this this week that I shared with some people. And the first one is in uh, Nehemiah chapter four. Now we're going to be talking about Nehemiah as we have been. We introduced on Wednesday night, but in chapter four it says, "And I said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another." And in what place, therefore, ye in, in what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort thither unto us, and our God shall fight for us. So we're spread out on the wall. Now it's interesting that Nehemiah and his crew built this wall and hung the gates in fifty-two days. That's incredible. So I've got to hurry up and get through this. I can't dawdle a whole lot in this little series. Only got to get it. Only got fifty-two days. 
But Nehemiah told the people, you're spread out. Everybody's, we, we have a great work. We have a, we have a large agenda ahead of us. So I want everybody to spread out. But when you hear the trumpet, come together. Come on uh, together with us. And we're stronger when we're together. So we want you to come together. And then he says, and our God shall fight for us. Now, if we stop there, we would think, okay, when it comes to times of trouble or even times of separation, uh, God's going to fight for us. We don't need to do anything. But I want you to look at how they interpreted that, all right? If you read the next verse. So we labored in the work, and half of them held spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. So the way that Nehemiah interpreted this when he said that our God will fight for us, if they believed that they didn't have to do anything to defend themselves, they would not have picked up spears. But they did pick up spears. Half of them picked up spears, spears and held them from the rising of the sun, the morning time, all the way till the, till the stars came out. And so they, uh, they involved themselves. They believed that God was going to watch over them. They believed God was going to look after them. But they had a part to play. How many can say amen? And if you don't think that you have a part to play, you're missing the point really, in understanding how God looks after us and protects us. He does. And we have a promise that he never forsakes us nor leaves us. But you've got a part to play. You've got a spear to pick up. You've got to, you know, defend your family. You've got to do the thing that's right. You've got to wash your hands. Right? Because God's not going to come down and wash your hands. So, therefore... There's a, there, this is a, an interesting principle uh, that we find through Scripture. Now, in Mark chapter 12, and I, I can quote this for you, you're going to know it. Jesus says, shall we give or shall we not give? The, sorry, the, the, the folks that were asking Jesus the question, shall we give or shall we not give in terms of taxes? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And he, they brought it, and he said unto them, Whose is the image and inscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering them, uh, said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are, that are God's. And they marvel at it. So therefore, it's our responsibility uh, to do things in relation to the law and the government and so forth, things that are, are in a sense reasonable, although a lot of us don't really like taxes. And <laughs> if you didn't like paying taxes before now, you wait till we have to start to pay back all the taxes that are going to have to repay what you just received in the mail or in your account. And if they have their way, they're going to add a lot more to that. So you little kids that are here, uh, we have just gifted you with a great tax burden for generations to come if we have that long. I don't believe we'll ha we have that long. But nonetheless, uh, this is not an infringement of the faith. This is not Jesus saying, well, whatever Caesar says you have to do. He says you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but the things that are God's we give to God. Does that make sense? Now, what I find interesting is when, when you come along and you follow Brother Branham and, and how he responded to this verse, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Here's Brother Branham. He's going overseas. This is 1951. He's in New York City, and this is paragraph one. He's in church this morning in New York City with people, and he didn't expect to be there. He wasn't invited there. Uh, that was not his plan. He was on his way to Rhodesia in, in, uh, in southern Africa. Is what Zimbabwe used to be called, is Rhodesia. And uh, Brother Bram's on his way. And uh, Rhodesia at that time was a country where yellow fever was endemic. And the only way that you could travel to uh, Rhodesia 
or any country that had uh, an infectious, highly infectious disease like yellow fever and returned to the United States as if you had a vaccination and you had proof of that and then you could come back into the country. So going to the country is not the problem. Coming back into the United States was the problem. So when Brother Brandon was at the airport in New York and he was trying to get on the plane, they were checking all of his documents and he did not have uh, an inoculation for yellow fever. So they had to take him off the plane and they had to bring him to the clinic so that he could get the shot. Now, you say, well, hey, the Lord will fight for us. You know what? We don't need to worry about this. Well, let's look at Brother Branham's reaction to this, okay? And the laws that pull him off the plane delayed the meeting and so forth. He said, well, we're taught that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And I was quite disappointed when they told me I had to come back and get the yellow fever uh, vaccination. He said, uh, but the nations have some peculiar rulings. So I guess we have to give to Caesar what Caesar's and God what's God's, don't we? They are peculiar rulings. We live in a, time, we live in a peculiar time. How many would say amen? amen? We live in unusual times. But he says that I guess we have to give to Caesar what's Caesar and God's what's God's, don't we? So they took me down. They put a needle in my arm. And he says, now I guess they're going to try it again in the morning in the clinic so that he'd have his uh, vaccination complete. And we'll try to go again in the morning, Lord willing, to Africa. So he would have his documentation then and he would be able to go uh, down to Africa and be able to get back into the country again. So Brother Bram's response to the things that were given out uh, or the rules of the country, and Lucas and I uh, experienced the same thing a couple of years ago when we were going to Africa. Brother Andy was on that trip, and uh, I was uh, uh, taken off the plane or didn't get on the plane because of the strange rule that says that your passport cannot expire six months prior to the end of travel to that particular country. I have no idea why that rule exists. I have absolutely no, it doesn't make any sense to me. My passport was current and valid, but it would have expired six months prior to the end of the trip to Tanzania, so they took me off the plane. I had to go to the Canadian embassy to get a, a passport, and that delayed me and Lucas three days, and then got, got back on the plane and, and went off to Tanzania. Thankfully, I don't have to get any more Canadian passports. But I will say this, that countries have strange rulings. So you can react to those things one of two ways. You can resist and rebel, or you can render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. And so I think as Christians, we always had to make sure that we maintain the right testimony about how we respond to the circumstances that surround us. We don't always like the circumstances that we have to face. How many would agree? We don't always like them. We don't always agree with them. And sometimes we don't always see the, the, the necessity of them. But I think it's important for us to maintain our testimony of uh, a people who are law-abiding. And you know what? And thankfully, in this case, nobody's told us what we can and cannot preach. And I was telling somebody the other day, we never missed a beat. We haven't missed a service, right? We've carried right on through since March 8th when we were here. We've carried right on through. It's been a little bit different, but we've carried right on through, and I'm thankful for that because we've had our technology and so forth that allows us to be able to get together. Not the same. And we're a people who love to get together. We're a body, and bodies function when we're together better than when body parts are strewn all over the place. And so it's good for us to be together. It sounds better. It feels better. It feels more normal. But in certain situations, and I, I've, I'll go on the, on the limb and say this, I believe that this thing is abating for now. I believe that, you know, it's receding a little bit. 
for now. And I'm thankful for that. We, we see the, you know, the decline in cases and all the numbers and so forth that I'm sure you're familiar with. And I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to make any predictions about anything at all. I'm, I, for me, I'll be glad when it's over and it's complete. But in a sense, it's kind of a dry run for us as believers because this is your first real test that most of us have ever lived through, right? And you know what? For some of you, your biggest complaint has been uh, internet reception. (laughs) Hey, everything's slow. Things are turned down. You know, it's not as fast as it used to be. And for some people, that's been their biggest complaint. But I know, hey, listen, I don't want to minimize the, the you know, the, in terms of work and uh, jobs and slowdowns and everything else. I know that's been difficult and even trying to deal with doctors and, and all the other hardships that are associated with it. But it's, it's been a real genuine thing. And so uh, I just want to say that I, I appreciate your patience and the grace that uh, most of you have shown and uh, exhibited during this time because uh, it, it's, not, it's not easy for anybody. I mean, it's not anything that... Uh, you know, somebody hands you a rule book and says, here you go. Here's how we navigate through this. So, uh, you know, this, is, this has certainly been challenging for us. But I, I believe that, uh, like the, the saints during the time in Nehemiah, they said, hey, listen, come on together. Uh, when you hear the trumpet sound, come on together. We believe God's watching over us. God's going to protect us. But we have our part to play. We want to do our part the very best we possibly can. So the, the better thing happens when we pitch in together, join in together, and, uh, you know, we labor together for the kingdom. And that's what Brother Branham did. He, he didn't cancel the meeting. He didn't get upset. He said, it's strange rulings, but you know what? We're going to do it because what happens for the kingdom is more important than what I have to endure here. Amen. And that was his attitude, and I appreciate that. Now, uh, in saying that, I, I want to turn to another scripture here, if you don't mind, and we're going to go over it in the book of uh, Nehemiah again. And we're going to go to the last chapter. And you forgive me here, but I've got to get my clothespins all lined up. And we're going to go over here in the last chapter of Nehemiah. This is the last one. Last chapter. Now, we know that Nehemiah came to Jerusalem because he was led to come there. He was a governor of Judah. Uh, and he feels led to come to Jerusalem in order to restore and to rebuild the walls and hang the gates because the city was literally defenseless. He stays in Jerusalem for a period of time, several years, in, in doing the work that he's doing. But then he leaves Jerusalem. He goes back to his homeland and comes back again the second time. So in a sense, his stay in Jerusalem was interrupted. And he comes back after this interruption. I just want to read verse 6. But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem. For in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, the king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. So let me give you a little background here so we can can just uh, give a little thought here this morning, a little encouragement uh, perhaps. Let me just quickly review, and, and most of you have been here, so I don't need to spend much time on this, but we talked about the subject of, or the, the word interruptions and how it is, it is a uh, stoppage or an interference with the continuity of something when we have an interference. And there were several examples that I gave you. Remember when Zechariah was offering at the altar uh, of incense in the temple, and then Gabriel stands right there and stops him right in the middle of that. He was interrupted from doing what he was, what he was uh, originally doing. And then we find that Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house in the book of Luke. 
And as he's traveling along, this woman with the blood issue, uh, she reaches out and touches his garments and interrupts him on the way. And, and Jesus says, who touched me? So he's doing one thing, and there's an interruption there. And then, of course, that woman is, is dealt with, and she's healed, and Jesus goes on his way. We have lots of different examples of that. Uh, through the scripture. I really like this quote. I sent this quote uh, to Brother Ron Spencer after I found it. Uh, Brother Branham said, now, what about healing the sick? What about healing the sick? He said, greater is he that's in you than the sickness, because that's an interruption of the very laws of God sickness is. How many would agree? It's not what you were meant to be. You're on your way to wholeness. You're on your way to maturity. And all of a sudden, there's a sickness there. He said, well, the greater is he that's in you. That's the healer, the creator. Then the, devil's that's, the devil is the interrupter of the very program of your life. If he could, he would love to interrupt the entire program of your life and make life miserable for you. He absolutely would. And so, therefore, uh, we find that this word interruption is... Uh, uh, you know, it's a very, uh, it makes sense when you start to think about it, all right? It makes sense when we start to uh, consider the, the meaning of that word. Now, let me just, let me just give you a little, uh, without, without reading a bunch of things here, because this is, uh, this is difficult to read at, at, at this particular point, because of the wind. Nehemiah comes to to Jerusalem, and he's, he's on a mission. We know that he's got a vision. He's got a, a strong desire to, to do, what he, uh, do what he feels uh, to do in restoring. And I believe that's the spirit of Christ. Whatever you see somebody who has a heart to repair or restore, to rebuild, come back to the foundations and build on them again. I think that's a, that's a, a mark or a characteristic of the spirit of Christ in a person. And many times, even as a pastor, uh, that's, what you, that's what you wind up doing is uh, repairing things that Satan would like to interrupt. Uh, the flow of things in our church, the flow of things in all churches around the world have been interrupted. And it's our job to get it back into, into flow again, into continuity again, because it's been interrupted. And we, we, we respond to that in our own different ways, as you know. But when Israel was taken off into captivity, they went there for 70 years. During that time, there was no temple at all, and they were carried away into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. That whole process took about 11 years for them to go from Jerusalem over to Babylon. It didn't happen in one day or in one attack. It took place over a period of time. And then uh, after 70 years was up, you remember Daniel prophesied about that, and then they came back into Israel again. Jeremiah said, you'll be there 70 years. There's no point in you uh, trying to come back early. You're going to have to come back in seven, when 70 years when God says so. That's the way it's going to be. Now, the point that I want to highlight to you is that obviously was an, an, an interruption because God had told the children of Israel, you stay inside the land. This is the land that I gave Abraham, and you stay inside the land. And when you're inside the land, you're blessed. But now God is the one who's authoring this judgment, and that's what it is. It's a judgment because they had violated the laws, and their fathers had violated the laws of the Sabbath and so forth. So God allows this interruption, and this interruption is a major one. Because they're being taken from the land to another land, and a heathen land at that. And then they're trickling back after 70 years. They didn't all come back. This whole thing about King Artaxerxes is where Esther lived. And she was a part of that exile that didn't come back when the children of Israel returned. As a matter of fact, if you look back in the Old Testament there in the book of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, 
Esther, Nehemiah, and Ezra were all part of the book of Chronicles. It was only later that they separated that because it was all one story of the continuity of this whole experience of leaving Israel and how that God interrupted the program. I mean, that's pretty major when God says to one prophet, everybody has to stay in Israel. This is your land. This is your boundary. And he protects that, and he watches over that. And now all of a sudden, he moves on the scene in judgment and sends them all out of the land. He says, all right, everybody, everybody's going to get out. You're not going to go willingly, so I'm going to have a heathen king carry you out. And he does. It's quite an interruption. I mean, it's an interruption that would get your attention, at least. And then he allows them to come back. They come back, and they're established in the land again. And they begin to have uh, walls and, and security. There are people who are off-cast, and now there are people who are a cause for rejoicing. There are people who are away, and now there are people who are back close again. There are people who feel disconnected, and now they're reconnected again. So this is a good thing that they're back. They have, uh, they have eventually, they have a, uh, you know, a, a place to worship. And they, uh, you remember the story in chapter 8 of, of Nehemiah there where uh, the people... Uh, they, they stood together to hear the words of the law. And, and Nehemiah got up, and, or I think it was Ezra, got up and read the words of the law. And the people rejoiced. And if anybody was unclear about the reading of the word, then they had priests and ministers who came among them and made the reading of the word clear. And they gave them all a piece of meat. They gave them a jug of wine. They gave them, a, you know, a snack after church. And they all went home and Nehemiah told them, he said, hey, you need to rejoice because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where that's found. And the people were excited because they were hearing the word again. They were hearing the word in their own church, like we are. They're hearing the word in their own place. They're back, sort of, in their place. They didn't have Solomon's temple to go back into because it was destroyed. And it was later rebuilt. That became the second temple. But they were back in their place. They were back in the land that God had given Father Abraham. And so they were happy. They were rejoicing. And they were, they were, they were doing the things that Jews do in the land when they come back together. And it was an exciting time for them. They were, they were happy with that. But when they went off into exile and they came back, there was a, there was a bit of a change. And I want to note what Brother Branham says. This is the one quote I wanted to give you here in the Church Age books, found on page 113. He says, when Israel uh, entered into unlawful alliances with the world and they formed fellowships by marriage and so forth, finally came today where God took Israel away and brought them down to Babylon. And he says, they went down into captivity. Now, when they went into captivity, he says, they they had a priesthood, a temple, and the word. When they left, when they left, when, when Nebuchadnezzar came, even though they were in error, they had a form of worship. And the worship consisted of a priesthood, a temple, and the word. That's what they had. But when they came back, and this is, what, this is what I want you to take note of. When they came back, they had rabbis, a theological order of Pharisees, and a synagogue, and the Talmud. That's what they had when they came back. They left. When they left, they had a priesthood, a temple, and the word, which is good. When they came back, though, this 70 years had done something to them. When they came back, they had rabbis, a theological order of the Pharisees, a synagogue, and the Talmud. And when Jesus came, they were so corrupt that he called them of their father. Jesus arrives about 500 years after this all happens. And when Jesus came, they were so corrupt that he called them, or sorry, the Jews called him of his father, the devil, And this in spite of the fact that they were of Abraham according to the flesh. 
So now think about it. When they left, they had the priesthood and the temple, the, the, uh, the order of worship that Moses had given them, which was correct, which was right. But when they come back after 70 years, there's been an influence. And this influence comes from where they are, right. not where they were. Right. Where they were, they had the right influence. But now they're out there in Babylon, and like it or not, that culture has rubbed off on them. Right. And it's changed their worship even slightly. And now they have rabbis and they have the Talmud. Let me tell you, the, the Torah is, consists of the first five books of the Bible and other pieces as well. It is what Moses wrote. The Talmud is the compilation of uh, what rabbis have put together over the years. And it literally is a debate over what the Torah means. It's where they get the oral law. And they have continuous discussions and additions to the Talmud because it is literally a debate over what the Bible actually says. And so the Talmud is not, by any stretch, it's not an absolute, because if you're debating about the, what the Bible means, you've got an opinion, and you've got an opinion, and you've got an opinion. That's hardly an absolute. The Torah was the absolute. The Torah was right. The Torah was God's word. It was God's book. It was what God wrote down on stones and gave to Moses and said, here are the commandments of, of, of the law. The Talmud, though, is literally a debate. The debate still rages. You can go there and talk to rabbis. You can go to the Wailing Wall where we were uh, recently, and you can debate with the rabbis, and they'll pull out their Talmud, and they'll say, yeah, but Rabbi so-and-so says this, and -and so-and-so says this, and our ancient teachers say this, and it's all about discussions and debate about the Word of God. So you know what? Everybody's kind of isolated in their own corner, and they've got their own opinion about what this means and what that means. So when they came back, they brought those ideas with them back into Israel. They did not automatically revert to the right kind of worship. So Nehemiah looks at this, and he's looking at the people, and he's looking at their practices and their worship. Hey, we're thankful we're back. We're thankful we're back in Israel again where God can bless us. But he notices these differences in worship. He notices these differences among the people. And he sets in. He's a repairer and a restorer. And he sets in. He's like a beaver going after the sound of running water. He is like a dog after a bone when you smell a bone. We had to to get our cat, our blessed cat. The cat was being rehomed in another place. And every time that cat saw me and Lucas, it took off. I don't know why, but it took off. So what we did was we took a can of food and we opened it up in the middle of the day, which was quite unusual. And uh, I said, just hang around a minute, just hang around because cats can smell their food two miles away. And I said, just hang on a minute. Sure enough, here, here she comes right up here and saying, oh, wow, thanks, Dad. Thanks for the extra meal today. And then we got her in the box and then, you know, we, we said our goodbyes. It was, it was emotional. It surely was. It was a mixture of... Uh, joy and great mirth. But anyway, it was mixed emotions. So here we were, and Nehemiah and the people now are, are back in the, in, in the temple. They're back in their place again. And Nehemiah is looking for this. He's, he's honing in. And he's watching the people. Hey, they're all here. They're all, they're all back. But they've picked up something in their time of exile. And so Nehemiah begins to deal with that. Now there are four things primarily that he works on. And if you like, 
we can just very quickly give you those four things, and we're going to just talk about one of them today. In the first part of chapter 13, he talks about the sanctuary and he talks about the ministry and how things had changed, how they had uh, flexed some of the rules there in relation to that. So Nehemiah set about establishing that back in the right order again. The second thing that he noticed was how they conducted themselves on the Sabbath day. That starts in verse 15. The third thing was in in, uh, dealing with the whole subject of purity among the people. This was something that Nehemiah uh, worked on. This begins in verse 23. And then in verse 30, Nehemiah, and and we could summarize it this way and say that uh, he, he actually attempted to restore all things to their original design. He wanted to bring people back exactly to the word again and not any of these other uh, discussions and debates about the word. He wanted to bring people back to the original design of the word of God. So families were involved here. Marriages were involved here. Uh, the, the conduct of the, uh, the ministry in relation to tithing was there. And the Sabbath was there. And Nehemiah focused on all of these things here. And uh, he began to consider and pray about this. So lo and behold, the interruption occurs now. Follow me. The interruption occurs. 70 years. They come back and things roll on. There's a restoration that goes on. But right then, there's another interruption. Nehemiah leaves town. He goes out of town. He goes back to the land of Artaxerxes. And then he comes back again. We really don't know how long he's been away. But he comes back again. And this is where chapter 13 kicks in. He shows back up again. And he looks at the people and says, we're back in our land. We're back in church. We've got walls and gates. We've got all the structure of church. But he said there's still some problems here. There's still some problems here. And he begins to I mean, the language of chapter 13, and if you haven't read it recently, you ought to go back and take a look at it. The language of of chapter 13 is actually pretty aggressive. Uh, There's some people that he physically takes and tosses out of the church. There's some things that he takes and tears up and and throws away on the people here. It's kind of reminiscent of how Jesus went in in the temple that day and turned over the tables of the money changers. He didn't just stand there and lecture. He didn't stand there and say, now take your Bibles and turn to this passage here. He went in, rolled up his sleeves, took a whip, and, and, and uh, began to whip the people out of the temple where they were. It was a time for action, all right? It was a time when there was something needed to be done, and Nehemiah rolled up his sleeves and jumped in and did it. Nehemiah was probably not the most popular guy because he began to meddle with the people and the customs they now had and the practices they now had. He was probably not a really popular fellow, but he did it anyway because he was sent as a repairer and a restorer, and he took that job to heart. Now, let me just say this to you personally. We've had interruption. Obviously, the whole world has, right? And gradually and slowly, we're coming back into a place where it, you know, we begin to think about or smell what's, uh, you know, what uh, life ahead of us is going to be like. And, and you know, we plan, we talk, and, and so forth. And uh, we're thankful, like I said, we're thankful for that. Whenever an interruption occurs, though, sometimes God will allow it to shake things up, as I said on Wednesday night, so that not only can you look at your life and where you are now after this interruption. But you can allow the Holy Spirit and open your heart to the Holy Spirit to say, 
you know what? There probably is no better time for us to talk about making some changes. Because you know what? Everything is kind of new, isn't it? In a sense, everything's kind of new. So it's probably a good time for us to talk about changes. It's probably a good time for us to talk about, uh, you know, the practices that we have that we, we look at them as very normal. And you know what? The Holy Spirit comes along and says, I want you to look at this another way. And in this case, the people are, you know what? They've got the form of church. They've got the form around them of Jerusalem and the, and the, and the worship and the priesthood and all of that. They've got that. But they've, they've so been influenced by Babylon and, and their, their time away and bringing those practices back and integrating them here. And nobody said anything. And Nehemiah looks at that after he goes away and comes back. And he looks at that and he says, hey. Let's talk about some of these things here. Now, some of you are probably getting real nervous and saying, wow, watch Brother Barry. What does Brother Barry really know about what happened in my house while we had the two months of evacuation? It is irrelevant about what I know. It really is irrelevant. I have not spied on your house because you left your Zoom meeting on and you didn't know it. Uh, I've not been in collusion with your children, so uh, I, haven't, I haven't spied on anybody. Um, what I know about you really is irrelevant. All I have, all my responsibility is uh, today in this little series that's just been on my heart is to give you the full counsel of God. Okay. And, and for you to take the word of God and examine yourself. And that's what we do. That's, that's what we're, believers are good at that. And that's, that's a good thing for us to, to think about. So if you don't mind, look in, in chapter uh, 13 here. Let me see if I can get my, my papers lined out here in chapter 13. And let's just pick one of these things here today and talk about it a little bit. Verse 15, chapter 13, verse 15. And in those days I saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and lading asses as also wine and grapes and figs and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day and I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. Nehemiah comes back and he sees all this activity that's going on on Sunday. He said, there dwelt men of Tyre, also therein, which brought fish and all manner of ware, pots, uh, kettles, artifacts to sell, and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. And I contended with the nobles of Judah. And said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do, and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon the city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut, and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath, And some of my servants set I at the gates, that there should be no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. Let me finish the passage here. So the merchants and the sellers of all kind of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. And I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If ye do so again, I will lay my hands on you. And from that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath. I'll throw you out. That's what he said to them. If you hang around here again, come back here with your your, uh, fish wagon. Or your taco truck. He says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hands on you. I'm going to throw you out. 
And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. And remember me, O my God, concerning this also and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. It's interesting that in all four of these instances that we're going to talk about, um, Nehemiah makes this statement. He says, remember me, O God. And he's asking for forgiveness. He's asking for God's mercies uh, to be extended to him because this is an important thing. And he's reminding the people, isn't this why we were carried off into captivity in the first place? Because we disregarded God's laws? Isn't this why all the trouble came and we were gone into Babylon for 70 years? Is because we defile the Sabbath? And now, because of things that you've learned in other places now, he says, here you come back and uh, you've got all these cellars around and fresh fish and fresh fruit and... Uh, you know, wares and pots and carvings and everything else. And you're, they're back here because Sunday, everybody's off in, in Jerusalem, right? It's a, it's a holy day and everybody's off. It's a holy day, meaning that we don't have to go to work. So all the sellers, they pile on because, uh, you know, this is a great day for business. Like in America now, it's become a great day. I think probably the greatest day, I think, uh, for business because, uh, you know, people are freer from work. Uh, and so they're able to go and shop and do all kinds of things that they normally uh, don't get to do during the week or for whatever reason. Uh, and uh, it's just like our Lowe's and Home Depot. I don't know whether you, you know it or not, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you play the announcements backwards from the government, they all say, go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's. Uh, because you can't get a parking spot in there. Somebody suggested that we have church in, in the plumbing section, you know, because it's usually less crowded than the rest of the sections over there. But it's absolutely incredible how every day, you know, it's, it's just been such a busy place. Anyway, to the point here. Nehemiah, he's observing this and he's, he's looking at all of this and he says, I protested. I went to these people and then I went to the Levites who should have known better and said, my goodness, what are you trying to do? What are you, what are you trying to turn the Sabbath into here? It has become a day of commerce. It's become a day like any other day. You have secularized the Sabbath. Doesn't the Bible teach us from the very beginning that Nehemiah would have said, doesn't the Bible teach us from the very beginning that God sanctioned the Sabbath day and made it a holy day, a day set apart from everything and everybody else, and so therefore we would come aside and worship in a different way on the Sabbath than every other day. And whenever God's people violated the Sabbath, uh, God got upset and God reacted and God did something, and hey, hello, that's why we were gone 70 years. And now we're back and we haven't learned the lesson. It is a pattern of God that if we don't learn the lessons that God's trying to teach us, we'll only repeat them again and God will bring the same judgment until we get it right. Because remember, you're the only one that's in the class and God's interested in making sure you pass. And if you fail the course by being rebellious or disobedient or you disregard what God's trying to tell you, let me tell you something. Uh, God will make you repeat it and repeat it until you get it. You're the only one in the class. There is only one teacher and the teacher happens to be the principal. And so therefore, he wants to see that you get it so that you can graduate and go on to higher forms and levels of adoption so that you can become the mature person that God's interested in. And so I want you to, I want you to think about this for me today. So all I want you to do is think about this idea that the Israelites were back in Israel. They had the form of worship. They had the, they had the, uh, you know, the pots and the pans and the priests and the, Nehemiah's even going to the priests, so they know who the priesthood is. They, they're, they're actually conducting themselves as Jews should. But you know what they don't have? They don't have it down here. I said they don't have it down here because as soon as Nehemiah leaves town, you know what? I wonder what we can do on the Sabbath day. 
And then when Nehemiah comes back, Nehemiah comes back, uh, you know, he, he uh, reprimands everybody again. He preaches that uh, in the church. I mean, he's getting physical, right? He says, you guys show up here again, and I'm going to lay my hands on you, and I'm going to pitch you right over the wall, and out you go. I mean, he's, it's very clear, because the Bible says that they don't show up anymore. It's not a debate here. They don't show up anymore. So Nehemiah preaches it in such a way that it looks like he really means what he says. And they get the message, and they don't come back. They come back on, on Monday uh, because that's, that's uh, you know, or Sunday which for them, which is a day of business. But the, prob- the scary thing is this. You can have the form but not have the life. So that when the pastor is not there, well, I can do this and I can do that. We don't have regular church. Well, and I'm not saying that any of you have done this. Not at all. That's not my, that's not my point. I'm not trying to be critical. and I'm not trying to ruin your day. I'm just saying that sometimes <clears throat> seasons of captivity or seasons of interruption bring out what's really there. They don't put things in there. They only bring out what's really there. If you love God before the captivity, and I'm referring to the plague here as captivity, if you love God before the captivity, you're going to love him during the captivity. You're going to love him after the captivity. If you, if you are a churchgoer, and like I've said in one of the other sermons, that if your experience is based on uh, association with other believers who have long hair, and that's the only association you have, it's an association with the church, the building, the facility, the actions of church, and not the person of God, then it's going to shake you up pretty substantially when you get away from the rest of the body. So I looked at our Sabbath. I looked at our church. Some people were actually trying to get me to look at this before the captivity. But let me me address for a moment HBT and say this, that I think sometimes that uh, even in our attempts to do good business, we can do too much business and take away the blessing of what Sunday should be. And as I looked at that and I pondered that in my heart and the rest of the sermon, I should should warn you and tell you, the rest of the sermon is about me and for me, not for you at all. But I looked at Sunday and I looked at the pace and I looked at the amount of activity and I looked at the number of meetings and I looked at the stress that it was causing for me and my wife and for the rest of my family alone. And then hearing from some of you, and I went purposely and asked some of you and talked about Sunday a little bit and realized, you know what? It comes to a point where you feel like it's a work day of a different type, but a work day instead of a day where you really get something from God. Now, I've learned a long time ago, even though sometimes we lose track of it because of influences, but we lose track of the fact that God will come down in his own whirlwind, but he rarely comes down in yours. When you're busy and you're in a whirlwind of activity and you've got all kinds of things going, many times the Holy Spirit just kind of stands back and looks at that. Now, he'll come down in his own whirlwind. He has ways of showing up that we don't think of, but... He doesn't always come down in our whirlwind. He doesn't come down in our busyness. He doesn't come down when we've got them scheduled in. All right, hey, listen, service at 5. Everybody be there. Stop what you're doing. Everybody, you know, we go from this and we go to church at 5 o'clock and, and we, we wind up being exhausted through the whole thing. And in some ways, some ways, 
This is not about Nehemiah and his people at all, but in many ways it's about us and how that sometimes experiences like we've had shake us up to the point where we need to look at, stand back and kind of look at the big picture and say, you know what? We could probably wind up doing less. Now, everybody say, everybody say, zoom. Everybody say it again. Zoom. Now we can zoom with deacons. We can zoom with trustees. We can zoom with our young people. We can do things. Not that we should, uh, you know, delegate everything to that, obviously, because there's always something good about getting face-to-face and talking about things. But, you know, there are, there are times when we can shift things away from Sunday. And I would just say this, that it is good for us to stop and think about what we can shift away from our times that are meant or intended for us to worship God. Because we don't have days through the week where we have the freedom to be able to worship God and hear the word and sing together and gather together and stop like this and slow down. A day like this on Sunday, it's, it, it, and we're, you know, we're, we realize that this is not the Sabbath as they're referring to. And we also realize, too, that our rest comes from believing the word, right? Our, that's where our rest is. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it explains that. I've read it many times. They which believe enter into rest. That's what the Bible says. And so, therefore, our rest is not the observance of a day because just observing the day, just showing up here, just bringing your carcass to the building and putting it inside is not the interpretation of what the Sabbath really is. The Sabbath is believing his word. And in order to believe his word, you've got to come aside to hear his word. And the word's got to be preached in the right way Right, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And your hearing is going to be right if your if your hearing is right, then your faith is going to be correct. And so, therefore, all of those things matter. And God has set it up so that, essentially, for us, we still have the freedom in this country to be able to slow down and stop, and to be able to have a day where we can worship God in spirit and in truth, and we don't have a million things on the agenda. Now, yeah, I know there's some things that we have to do. And even Brother Branham refers to that. He says, you know, if your ox falls in the ditch and he says, and you didn't push it in there, he says, you know, you need to get it out. There's some people who have to work on Sunday. And there's some people who have to do things that, you know, are of necessity. And there's sometimes like, you know, people are called in. You people who are on, in medical systems and so forth, different jobs, occupations are called in. And, uh, you know, it's not always possible to turn everything away. But probably there are things that in all of our families, probably things in our assembly that we can do to restore back what a day of worship should be about. Because remember now, God's a restorer and a repairer. This is not about, this is not about uh, Brother Barry laying hands on somebody or somebody shows up and says, I'd like to have a meeting, and then we throw him out on the road there and you know, hope he gets run over. That's not what this is about. But a lot of times, a lot of times we try to feel like the more, isn't it true that in our world, more is generally better, right? More money, more, more people, more of a crowd, more, more activity, more things we can say we do in a sense a lot of times we say that's better. All of you don't. But in, in, in our culture, I'm talking about now, not necessarily here, all right? In our culture, more is generally considered better. 
And what I'm saying to you is that we who are the people of God, it's probably a good thing for us to kind of look at all of that and say, you know what, just because the world thinks it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to follow that or we need to emulate that. We know better. And so therefore it doesn't hurt for us to stand back a little bit and take on the things that we know that God's giving us because I've always felt this, that if, that if we're too busy and if we've got too much going, we've probably taken on something that God hasn't given to us. If we have too much on our plate, we've probably taken on something that God hasn't given to us. Because otherwise, God, that'd be, he'd be the author of confusion, wouldn't he? He'd be the author of frustration if he piled on things onto our agenda and made us so frustrated because we couldn't get things completed or we couldn't get things done or we couldn't do what God wants us to do well. Because I believe what God wants us to do, he wants us to do well. Not necessarily for our glory, but for his, for his honor and for his glory. I believe that he wants us to complete things and get things done. I believe when he lays something on our heart, I believe we should pursue it. But I believe the things that God lays on our hearts are not things that are going to break us. I believe they're things that are going to make us better people, better believers. And when, when uh, Nehemiah left town, the people all of a sudden went back to this, this way of living on Sunday, which was probably the way it was in Babylon, because you know what? Nobody in Babylon was probably enforcing the laws of the Sabbath. Nobody in Babylon was encouraging people, hey, now for you Jews, it's a Sabbath day. Why don't you already, you're not supposed to be out here. You're not supposed to be in your workplace. You're not supposed to be in the market. Nobody in Babylon would have said that. So the edges of the Sabbath would have been probably rounded off in Babylon. They would have been softened a little bit in Babylon. So when they came back, here they are on the Sabbath. They're going to church. They're doing what they, uh, you know, they're supposed to be doing on the Sabbath day. And they're here all gathered together. And they got a priesthood. And they got singing. And they got instruments. And they got all of that stuff. But they've kind of carried a little bit of that stuff from Babylon back here so that all of a sudden the vendors show up and everybody's having a free-for-all when it comes to the Sabbath day. Wow. Wow. You see, Brother Barry, you're supposed to make us feel really happy and giddy because we're back in church on our grounds here today. Well, really, like I told you, I'm supposed to give you the full counsel of God. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. But I've been doing this over the last couple of months is just looking at ourselves and looking at our assembly and looking at myself and, you know, sometimes the demands that we place on ourselves, which are really our demands. They're not God's demands at all. And you start to think about, well, how can we... How can we uh, at the, at the beginning of this whole separation, how can, we, how can we live without that and how can we live without that? And now some of us feel like, well, how, you know, hey, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to go back to that because the necessity of certain things gets, uh, gets taken from us. The, the, the things that we get caught up in sometimes, it, you know, we, we lose that urgency about it. You don't have to be in Starbucks every day. You don't have to uh, do what everybody else in the world is doing. And sometimes an interruption does that. It shakes us a little bit and stops us. And it points us toward family when families are all running in different directions and we were kind of forced to look at one another and say, your name again is... I called you number four. It's Larry. No, Lucas, that's it. And we're, we're we're kind of forced to think a little bit differently about ourselves. That's what interruptions do. And so there's always things that 
come out of situations like this, even though it's negative consequentially for the world and economically and all the rest of it and all the other medical uh, fallout that we have from this. But let me tell you something. I, I think that God can take situations like this and turn it for good because we can examine ourselves and we can look at ourselves a little bit differently than how we used to. But I will tell you something, and this is where I want to end. I'll tell you something. It'll do none of us any good to make changes because they sound sensible unless it comes from within. If we're only doing things because everybody else does it, if we're only doing things because other churches do it, or we're only doing things because somebody tells me so, it'll only last a season. And God may have to interrupt things again. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be doing it just because it is a politically correct thing to do. Or I don't want to do it just because it's the trend. It's what's trending. I don't want to do it because of that. I, 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 want, to, I want to create a space, and I, hope, I want to invite you to come and follow me to do this. We create a space where the Holy Spirit can drop things in your heart, and then we do things because he's leading us to do things. We're doing things because he's impressed our hearts that this is what the word says and this is what we should be doing. And for the rest of our days on earth, which, I mean, I don't know about you, I get the sneaking feeling that, you know, if we're at the end and the beginning of troubles, real troubles in our world and we're at the end of it, it's probably a good time for us to be talking about this. Because we may not have years and years and hundreds of years and generations to sort this all out. I believe God's dealing with us now. I believe God's got our attention I believe God has ways of shaking things up to where we're all forced to look at things a different way. We're all forced to try to open our phones with a mask on because they don't automatically pop open because the phone can't see you anymore. We have, we have challenges that are, that are different, and I'm being, I'm being humorous, but you understand that we're, we're kind of forced to go about things in a different way. And it's, it's brought out things in the nation. It's brought out things in people. It's brought out things in the hearts even of people that attend church. And all of it is not good. But remember now, Nehemiah is there as an agent of God's grace. He's not there as somebody who's trying to destroy it. He's there as somebody who's trying to get it right. And it is an example of God's grace that he allows Nehemiah to come the first time and the second time to get things back on the right track and keep them on the right track. And in a sense, he's kind of like a, you know, a symbol of the Holy Spirit who comes back you know, to inspire the people. But I want you to understand that you know, it, it was God's grace to, to the people because they're under law now. They're not guided by the Holy Spirit. They're under, they're under the law and what Nehemiah is teaching them out of the book. But it, it's God's grace to them to remind them of what the law says, to remind them, to, to, to read them out of, out of the book, to read them out of the law, and to really not only just read the words of it so that people can hear the words, but to really dig down to where they get the intent of what God really wanted to see on the Sabbath day. He wanted the people to slow down, not so that they could have just physical rest, but he wanted them to slow down so that they could think on God and they could worship God and they could spend time alone with God and they could come into the sanctuary and they could come into service and they could hear the priesthood and they could hear the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the preaching of the word of God or the speaking about the word of God and they could hear that. And that, that is something that God intended by the Sabbath day. God didn't want them just to have a day where they did nothing. God didn't want to have them a day where they just didn't have to show up at work. God wanted the people to be freed so that they could enter into his presence. 
and be reminded that, you know what, I'm the God of all week, but we're going to take one day where we enter in and, and just respect his presence and just reconnect and just reach out and say we love him. And Nehemiah wants the people to do that. Nehemiah wants the people to, to get that and to practice that. And I say this about our assembly and about our, our work here. I believe that we should do whatever we need to do to make every service special. To make every service count. To make every gathering something that we look forward to and that we enter into. And by that, I mean that without giving a people a list of rules and saying, well, you can't do this on Sunday, you can't do that on Sunday. Hey, it's up to you how you apply the word of God. But I would just say this, that for all of us, if there are things that we need to get out of our heart or out of our system before we come into the house of God, we should do it. If we need to ask forgiveness, we should do it. If we need to, uh, you know, get rid of an attitude or get rid of something that, uh, you know, maybe we know is a hindrance, then we should do that. If we need to work out something in the family, we ought to do that. If we need to work out something between sisters in the church, we should do that. And not bring those, not bring, be dedicated to not bringing anything into the house of God that would interfere with the moving of the Holy Spirit. That would be a great preparation for the Sabbath day. And you know what? I believe if we all did that, I believe that it would allow, right from the get-go, it would allow the Holy Spirit the freedom to be able to move and to bless and to minister and you've all been in services where as soon as the song leader stood up there, even, even before then, and the musicians are playing, there's just, something, there's just something about it, and you're caught up in that, and when the song leader steps up there, you're already right in that channel, and you take off, and I'll tell you what, that's a beautiful atmosphere to minister the Word of God in. And I believe that we should strive for that. For a season, we're not going to have church on Sunday night uh, because of our, our limitations that we have here. And we don't know how long you know, things will be. But nonetheless, we, we'll, we'll decide on that and come back again on, uh, towards the uh, Labor Day time and talk about having a, the second service. We've done that before in the past. But the idea is not to be, uh, have less services in a sense that we, don't want, we couldn't be bothered with more services. I would rather we invest in the services we have and to prepare our hearts and to, and to gather together with a real zeal and a real desire to hear from God and say, Lord, this is our, this is our service today. This is our time we're, we're, we're giving to you and, and, and uh, we want you to come among us and bless us in a special way and to make that as special as we possibly can. You know what? I think God loves it when we make him special. God loves it when we make him primary. He loves it when we make him the center of everything that we do. So that we can leave and say, it's been good for us to be in the house of the Lord. It's been good for us because God spoke to us. And we're seeing the, uh, you know, the difference in our children and our families and our personal lives and how God deals with us. I'm willing to invest in, in the services that we have. I do invest, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more about them every time we have them and uh, about what it actually means because if this is limited, if we are now limited in terms of, you know, if, we're at, if we really are coming to the end of things, which has been prophesied and forecast for us a long time, but if we really are coming to the end, and let's just say, let's just say we had 100 services left. I'm just throwing the number out. Let's just say we had 100. And this is number 100. And Wednesday night will be 99. Shouldn't we really do all we can because we only got 99 left? Not because Brother Barry says so, but because from our hearts we want to hear from God. 
from our hearts we want to enter into his presence. This is not just a social gathering. It's not just a young people's gathering. It's not just a day of practices and meetings. It is a day to worship God. It is a day to just put everything aside and say, you know what, Lord, we want to give you just just that alone time. We want to give you an opportunity to speak to our hearts. It's, it, in our world, it's tough. In our world, the demands that are placed on you, the demands that are now changed in your life, how you used to teach school and how you have to teach school now, and how medicine was done and now how medicine is being done today, and how, you know, Jeff over here in the plant, and how, you know, I mean, one week's not the same as the next week, and Brother Ben, and, you know, all you brothers that are doing different things in different, different situations. You're running your own business, and the, and the responsibility's there. And then you wonder, okay, you know, I mean, like Brother Brian McCall, he's, he goes to, goes to work one morning, the next morning, they sit him down and say, hey, there's, there's no more work, no more, no more, uh, job for you so you know you begin to look at the future and you begin to think about it I thank God for you folks that contributed to the um, deacons fund so that we can help uh, help help out folks in times of need and we we have some folks that are uh, definitely in need and it's just a wonderful thing to be able to have that resource things have changed and it's harder to do things now than what it used to be But if this is what it is coming to the end, then we don't want to put the the circumstances out front as God. We want to make sure we keep God out front as God. And our worship to him matters. Because like I've said to you before, even if we look into the darkness and can't see what's next, we follow someone who does. He's able to see through the darkness and knows what's next. Let's stand to our feet. Nehemiah knew that if the people got out of sync, if they got out of alignment on their on the day that God had established as their day of worship. And the people, in a sense, their connection to God would have been weakened. Nehemiah knew that. And so he fought for the right thing. He fought back uh, through all of the sellers and all the other activities that were. He fought back through that. And he said, let's make the Sabbath what God intended. Let's do that first. And that was his desire. I have a maker and he knows my name. Sing that this morning. I have a maker. He knows my name. Before even time began, my life was in. He knows my name. He knows my every heart. He sees each tear that falls and he hears.
sing the chorus again now.
like us to sing that one more time. And and as a as an assembly, this would probably be a great point where if we could, you know, we'd all gather around the front and, and uh, be shoulder to shoulder and sing this together and make this pledge among ourselves. We can't gather, so relax there. But we could do this ourselves as a personal pledge and say, Lord, take a look at my life. And if there's something in me or something about me that I've kind of maybe softened the edge on and I need to change that, then Lord, show that to me. Give me the courage to make the change. And I think that's a, that's a healthy thing for us to do. It's a healthy thing for us, uh, you know, at a, at a point like this, to be able to, you know, just kind of stop and take stock and look at this and say, Lord, we just don't want to carry on because it's Sunday and carry on because this is what we do. But, Lord, help me to do it well. Help me to do it in a way that pleases you. And sometimes God has to shake things loose or shake things away from us. And he reminds us of that. And that, to me, that's his grace. That's his love to us because he wants us to get it right. And I believe this, he wants to come among us and bless us even more than we want that ourselves. Let's sing it one more time. And as we sing it, we're going to pray and we make that a pledge in our own hearts together. Be it unto me according to your According to your promises, I can stand secure. Carve upon my heart the truth that sets me free. According to your word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a man like Nehemiah who is fearless in standing for the truth in his day. And Lord, he knew that it required more than just being back physically in their place. But Lord, it required them to worship you from the very depths of their heart. And Lord, he reminded the people of that in many ways and in many times. Father, I pray today that you, the Holy Spirit, would just stir in our hearts, Lord, and cause us to be able to look at ourselves afresh and say, Lord, we want, to, we want to return with joy. We want to return, Lord, with a, a real peace in knowing that what we do, we do because you have laid upon our hearts, Lord. It is the right thing for us to do. And, Lord, we want to come together, Lord, as a people who love you and have you at the very center of everything we do. Lord, may our busyness and our activities and our, the pressures of this life, may they not crowd out our true worship of you. Because we know that real believers, they worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Lord, you'd forgive us where maybe we have forgotten that, Lord, or allowed things maybe to come in to crowd that out or interfere with that. But, Lord, I pray that as we begin in this, this journey of coming back into our assembly again, that, Lord, you would just deal with our hearts and deal with our families, Lord. Deal with all these young people that are here. And, Father, may we just, just approach the throne of God with real respect and love for the commandments that have been given to us. Lord, you're so gracious in making your boundaries clear. And Lord, we want to be obedient to that. Be it unto us, Lord. Have your way among us. Father, we just want to say we love you and we thank you. I pray a special measure of protection upon each one, Lord, each one of our families. And knowing, Lord Jesus, that you care about all of what we go through. And 
Lord, I just ask that you would protect not only the believers here and their families, but, Lord, those who are listening and those around the world, Lord, who are facing and, Lord, dealing with different struggles. And, Father, the dangers that exist, we just commit them into your care. Have your way among us, Lord, we pray. Speak your word among us and have free course among your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is I'd like to sing that one more time, but I wanted to bring you a special request. I was speaking last night to Brother Mike Walls up in Washington, and uh, he, Brother Mike, as you know, was tested positive, and he told me I could uh, relate that. There was three or four other people in his assembly who also uh, are dealing with the aftermath of the uh, sickness, and it's been very difficult for them. But he asked me specifically, he had a brother in his church, Brother Marion, uh, who had started another smaller assembly, and uh, Tuesday night, he fell over dead. He had a heart condition, never knew anything about it, and was out with his son, and uh, f- 46 years old, and uh, just dropped dead of a heart condition right on the spot. Brother Mike asked me, he said, I would ask you to, he said, ask your church to pray for me that I would have enough strength to be able to go and attend the funeral next Friday night. He said, it is difficult for me to get from one room to another. And he said, if you don't mind, ask your church to pray that uh, I'd have enough strength to be able to go. He said, because he was my friend and I wanted to go uh, to be at the uh, funeral. There is a a brother, uh, Eusebio, who is in Nicaragua, who's a pastor there. He's in his early 50s. He also passed away from the uh, virus uh, in Nicaragua and left his family and his assembly. And uh, they asked us to remember him in prayer. Also, Brother Mike has another uh, family, Brother... uh, uh, Carlos, who is the uh, one of his uh, workers there in the church, and his grandmother also passed away. She was a believer, lived on the edge of Maryland there, and uh, it's just been very difficult in that in that uh, region. And then also, there's another sister. I won't mention her name, but her niece is a nurse, and she's tested twice positive for uh, the virus and uh, has been in isolation up there. So, Brother Mike asked me if we would especially remember all these uh, particular needs. I'd also like to ask you to remember uh, Brother Freddie over in Tanzania. He was the brother who was the main uh, contractor and builder for the new extension on the church there. Just a young man, but uh, he was tested positive as well and shipped off to Dar es Salaam and uh, in the hospital there. And Brother Elias said he was very serious, and so we want to remember him and his family uh, over there in that part of the world. Let's sing that chorus one more time and join with me as we pray uh, this morning. Be or sorry, there is none, none like you, and no one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none.
Heavenly Father, we bring these special requests before you, Lord, today. And Lord, we know that there are conditions, Lord, that exist in this world. And Lord, doctors and nurses, medications, we're thankful for all of it. But sometimes, Lord, our hands are tied and we don't always know what's best. But Lord, we come to you this morning. We turn to you, Lord, believing that you're a God who understands the cry of your people. And Lord, you're a healer today, the same as you ever were. We curse this sickness, this evil darkness that's covered this world. We curse it in the name of Jesus Christ. We know, Lord, it does not come from you. And so we pray, Lord, for the healing of these families, Lord, these, these individuals, Lord, who are suffering. And we pray especially for Brother Mike and ask you, Lord Jesus, just to restore his strength, Lord. I know his desire today would be back in his assembly and ministering, Lord, to the, uh, to the group in broadcast. And, Father, I just ask that you would just give him strength and just raise him up, Lord, we pray. Touch his wife as well and the other members of his assembly that are uh, dealing with this today, Lord. We commit them to you. And, Father, for this little family in Nicaragua and the one in Tanzania, Lord, and just so many other different ones, Lord, that we hear about. And Father, may you just strengthen them and comfort them, Lord, in this time of difficulty. We know, Lord, you care. We know, Lord, you're mindful of all that we can experience in this life. Be merciful, O oh God, we pray. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And for your glory, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Let's sing it again as we're dismissed this morning. Thank you for coming. Good to have everybody here. And may the Lord richly bless you. Tune in on Wednesday night. And uh, I'm sure it'll be a blessing. There is none like you. And no one else can touch my heart like you. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. All right, we'll sing one more little chorus here if you want to play something, honey, that we can sing as we leave here. I'm not sure if, uh, how you want us to leave. Uh, this is our first time leaving uh, an outdoor service, so I guess the idea is not to bunch up, right? So we leave in a non-bunched-up way and uh, make our way out to the parking lot there. May the Lord bless you. And, um, we've got to take right off. Uh, uh, some of us had to take right off for the funeral, so uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll see you again. We're just going to have the slip right out there. But uh, God bless you, and thank you again for coming. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the whole.